Ой, у лузі червона калина Похилилася Чогось наша славна Україна Зажурилася Welcome to Ukraine 242. On the 24th of February, Russia began bombing Ukraine. It is a date burned into the psyche of every Ukrainian. For all of us, it was the onset of life in a changed world. In the next half hour, we will hear people in Ukraine describe this global alteration as it unfolds. I'm Ann Levine, reporting for Pacifica Network from WOMR and Kraina FM. When Russia bombed Ukraine, it touched me personally. My roots are Ukrainian. Prior to World War II, one grandparent fled Kyiv and another fled Odessa. Both were fleeing genocide. I learned about a radio network in Ukraine called Krena FM, and as a radio host of 15 years, their story lit a bonfire in my heart. From an undisclosed location, they are continuing to broadcast as Radio National Resistance, using the airwaves to support and assist the needs of Ukrainians. I was able to find and connect with Krena FM staff, and our collaboration began. I am their media liaison to the USA, and with their help, bring you reports from people in Ukraine. Vladimir Anthemov is a radio broadcaster, podcast creator, voice actor, and communications consultant. For the most part, he interviews celebrities and is the host of Another Interview, a widely enjoyed radio show and podcast in Ukraine. And in this interview, Volodymyr answers questions about the state of arts and culture in Ukraine during the war. Volodymyr, thank you for joining us. Could you describe your 24-2 for us? Well, I'll start with February 23rd, because it was just a normal day. I uh, went home after my day job, and so we had a walk with, with a dog. And, well, everything was absolutely normal, except that survival bag was packed for like several weeks, because we all heard the news about all these predictions about the full-scale invasion. But frankly speaking, we did not believe at all uh, in this story. No one here in Ukraine could imagine that this full-scale invasion can really happen. All my friends, uh, all my colleagues, we were sure that uh, either Russia is only you know, going to, to play the muscles, uh, as they say, or it, it can be some some action on Donbass area, but no one no one believed what happened next. And I can tell you that the February 24th was uh, one of the scariest days in my life and in uh, life of my family. We woke up at five in the morning uh, because of the sounds of really big explosion, and I rushed to my radio. 
I started searching internet for news. Uh, and well, the, the first thing that I uh, found there is that Russia started the war. I opened the window, just what was happening on the street, and it was it was a real panic. It was five in the morning, but the street was already clouded with people, all of them with survival bags, with their pets, with bags. Everyone was running out of the houses. Some of them just, you know, chaotically walking uh, on the street. They didn't know what to do because, well, it was something that we really didn't expect. And then we started to see traffic jams because people were leaving the city. And I took my family to the outskirts of Kiev, to the house of my parents. And for the next week, we were staying there. Several times in the day, we were hiding in cellars when air raid sirens were on. Well, it was pretty, pretty awful experience, I can tell you. So you stayed there for a week or so? Did you feel safe? Yeah, we stayed there on the outskirts of Kiev, and then when the situation was becoming more and more intense, I decided to took my family to the more safe part of Ukraine, to the west of Ukraine, uh, and we, we moved there. And we stayed for three weeks in the city called Kaminsk-Podilsky. And the first thing that I heard there when we just entered the city was very loud air raid siren again. And that time I clearly understood that there is no safe place in Ukraine starting from February 24th. There are explosions all over Ukraine because Russians are attacking various cities, not just capital or east. They are attacking our western part on the borders with the Poland, on the borders with NATO. And it's really scary. And you, you don't feel safe in none of the city of Ukraine. And that's why, as you know, a lot of people, especially women with small children, they left Ukraine and went all over the world. What about your parents? Did they move with you to the west? I was trying to evacuate my parents from Kiev, but their old couple with old dog, and they say no, we we gonna we gonna stay here. Like my grandma, who is not with us today, but she stayed in Kiev during the World War II, uh, and my mom, her daughter, she said like our grandma. She stayed here during World War II, so we're going to stay. Uh, and I couldn't do nothing to move them. And so they decided to stay in Kiev. And fortunately, as you know, our great military pushed Russians back from Kiev. But still, right now I'm in Kiev. We came back here on April the 1st. And it's pretty safe, if I can use this word, in Kiev right now. But... You know, 300 miles from here, the full-scale war is going on. So, And, and, and again, uh, everyday air raid sirens in Kiev are on, and it's, it's really not safe, and it's pretty scary. For those who don't know you, could you describe what your profession was like prior to 2042, and mm -hmm. what is it like now? 
Well, I'm a communication expert and I'm working with public relations clients. And the second thing I do, I'm radio and podcast host and I talk to outstanding people about their life. But after February 24th, I kept my show, although it was very difficult just to talk and to be active when full-scale war started. And now I do it regularly. I talk to military people. I talk to, you know, Ukrainian musicians. They left uh, guitars and microphones and went to the army. And it's very interesting experience for them. So uh, I, I talk to war and military psychologists to get some advice to my audience how to survive mentally in this war. So not every show is, is in the context of the war. What do the psychiatrists and therapists say about the best course of action to take now during the war? You know, one of the common problems here in Ukraine and for Ukrainians outside our country is the feeling of guilt. Like, you know, we are proud of our military, we are very proud of our army, and everyone feels a little bit guilty that we are not doing enough to make victory happen. Or someone feels guilty because he or she is not in the army right now. And, well, uh, the advice was just to keep doing what are you best in and just do it on more higher level than you did before. Just to be active. If you're a good auto mechanic, keep your work. If you're a good driver, keep doing your work. Uh, just help in this way. And it really helped me. I found this advice useful as well, because I decided that if I can help my audience with regular radio shows, I should do it. I, I shouldn't stop. And I really felt more comfortable after I decided to make my shows regular. And I having a lot of feedback from my audience all over the world, by the way, because now Ukrainians are in the, in the United States, in Germany, in, in England, and they're writing letters. All of them want to come back to Ukraine as soon as possible. Russia has begun to retreat from some of the areas in the east that it devastated. I spoke to a woman who said her parents have returned to Cherniv to rebuild their home. Do you know of such cases? Well, uh, yeah, I've heard uh, and a friend of mine, uh, she is from Cherniv, but she's from Irpin. I'm sure you've heard about this small town near Kiev. Yeah, and several weeks ago, she moved back to her place and she's now doing all she can to get life to normal. Her house survived, but the house of her neighbors was absolutely destroyed. And the atmosphere there is pretty depressing. And I know that Google Maps did a good job. Now everyone can Google Bucha or European on Google Map. You can see what Russian army did to Ukraine. And uh, sometimes it's just like, you know, some picture from, from the horror movie, but it, it, it's a reality in which uh, Ukraine lives now. How is morale in general among civilians and military personnel? Yeah, well, uh, this was one of the questions to a military psychologist I had about the morale. 
and about post-trauma syndrome. I used a lot of people who went through war had this problem. And his answer was that this situation is more common for people who are not fighting on their land. But for Ukrainians, it's not a common problem because, you know, they are protecting their home. They are not aggressors as Russians. They are just doing everything possible to push Russia back. So morale is really high in Ukraine. And I was surprised to know about the pop singers who were very popular, who had brilliant career, and a lot of such people who went to the war. And some of them even succeed in fighting and in creating music as well. And there are a lot of very interesting collaborations with international stars like Pink Floyd and Ukrainian musician Andrei Hudnyuk or Ed Sheeran and Tarastopolia. So they can be for one day back in Kiev just to create something in studio and then going back to the war. And of course, their new songs are not about, you know, love and divorce or breaking heart. They are singing all about the war and about the experience they had. And, you know, today we were driving with my wife and one of these new songs was on the radio and... Uh, we, well, together we were crying, you know, while driving. It was a song of uh, Ed Sheeran and Tarastopolia about the um, experience of the guy who woke up as uh, all of us after the heavy explosions, about the experience of going to the war and leaving his family in the safe place. We, we had the wet eyes and it's very moving and touching and if you listen right now to, to ukrainian radio like 90 percent of the songs are new songs about this war so all the culture now in ukraine is about this fight with russians for our freedom there's an old folk song chervona kalina or red gelder rose that is heard all over ukraine now a version of it was made by the rock star Andriy Hlivnyuk, who left a tour to literally take up arms against the Russians. Could you tell us a bit about that, please? Yeah, it's one of the anthems. The song is one of the uh, anthems of this war. And speaking about Andriy Hlivnyuk, he was one of the first, uh, you know, Ukrainian musicians. On the first day of the war, he told everyone that he cannot see himself in the show business right now, and he went to the war. And this song has become so popular that even legendary band Pink Floyd made collaboration. And right now, you're right, we can hear various versions of this song. Uh, and it has a very, you know, powerful words about Cervona Kalina. So it's uh, Gil de Rose. You know, so and it's one of the symbols of, of Ukraine. And the words are this Gilder Rose is for some reason down and it's on the ground. And we will do everything to make this Gilder Rose up and to, to rose again. So it's very optimistic and very powerful song. And even riding the city, you can hear it in various places from people's cars. So, yeah. It's a great, great song. Музичервона калина, поклилася, 
чогось наша славна Україна зажурилася. Listening to Ukraine 242, where key people in Ukraine bring you stories, thoughts, and information about life and community under the Russian invasion. I am your host, Anne Levine. The music you just heard was Cervona Kalina, the Red Galder Rose. This traditional folk song has been newly done by Andriy Khlevnyuk, the Ukrainian rock star who returned from a concert tour to serve in the Ukrainian army and has recorded this song since his return. It is the new, unofficial Ukrainian anthem. I asked Vladimir Anfamov, radio broadcaster, podcast creator, voice actor, and communications consultant, whether or not you can go to the movies in Ukraine right now, and here is his answer. Vladimir, is there theater? Are cinemas open? Are cultural events still happening? In Kyiv, yes. 
I can say that 40% or 30% of cinemas uh, are open. And I believe that the same situation is in Western Ukraine, where there are no active military actions right now. And yeah, you can watch movies, but uh, as I've mentioned, you can hear air raid sirens three or four times. So when air raid siren goes on, the movie stops and everyone goes to the shelter. So I cannot say that visiting cinemas is very popular right now because the atmosphere here is not about entertainment. But still there are some people who want to somehow forget about the war, maybe for one hour and to, in, in some way to entertain themselves. The same is about concerts and shows. So we can see uh, even some small gigs just on the streets. People singing patriotic songs, small shows with Ukrainian stars. But what is more popular is improvised shows in the hot spots of the war. One of the most popular Ukrainian rock singers, Svetoslav Vakarchuk from Okeanelzy rock band, he travels all over the Donbass region with his shows, actually just he and his guitar. And he is singing for Ukrainian soldiers. I've seen several videos of the small gigs, and it's really very touching, you know. And guys are very thankful for Svetoslav because they feel the support from Ukrainian people's leaders and from musicians. So I think it's very important. What is the attitude now among artists towards Russia? Uh, well, I can... I can tell you about uh, one person, again, a popular pop singer, and he was blamed by a lot of Ukrainian activists for visiting Russia even after occupation of Crimea and everything that happened after 2014 and 15. He was still visiting Russia with his shows. And a lot of people were blaming him for this, but he was telling things like, you know, music is something that shouldn't be mixed with politics. Like, uh, we are bringing our art to people of Russia. It's not about politics, blah, 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 blah. And then on the first day of full-scale invasion, he like dramatically changed his point of view. He said, I couldn't believe that these Russians for whom I was singing all these years, they now came to my country with arms, with tanks, and they, they start to kill people. And the first days he was even trying to communicate with his Russian audience. And then he made a decision that there is no one to talk there because of, of the propaganda, this very heavy propaganda in Russia. You know, they are like zombies. I know several stories of my friends who had relatives in Russia, and they were calling them during the first days of the war, and they were just describing what they could see from the window, you know, like tanks uh, and explosions. And those relatives in Russia, they were saying things like, it's your imagination. Like, no, they sold us on state TV that it's not true, it's fake news. So you can imagine the level of propaganda and of craziness there in Russia. So getting back to your question, 
We had a big part of Ukraine who was uh, angry with Russia's actions of Crimea and everything they did on our east. After what happened on February 24th, 99% of Ukrainians are absolutely sure that Russians are aggressors. We understand that they are committing war crimes here. They are committing genocide. You know, it's difficult to have another thoughts about Russians when you understand that they're using banned weapons, they kill, they torture, uh, they rape civilians, including small children. Like, we have facts of this. So what we can see here in the Queens are, you know, crimes against humanity. And I don't know how we can talk to Russians and uh, there, there can be no dialogue. I can't see any form of dialogue with someone who comes to your home and, and kill and torture and rape you and your, your family. Like, uh, it's, it's awful. Russian artists, athletes, and others are being barred from things like Eurovision contests, the French Open, and many other events. Do you believe that is fair? Absolutely fair, uh, because, you know... The Russian propaganda and a lot of people in Russia, they want to show that this is the war of Putin. Like, it's not about regular Russians supporting this war. But what we can see, it's like, it's not Putin who came here and started to kill people. It's uh, regular Russian people. And we can see polls in uh, Russia that more than 80% support this full-scale war. So, you know, I, I believe that this cancel culture is very useful form of sanctions that should be imposed on Russia. So it, it's very, you know, uh, it's very important to understand that Russia shouldn't be appeased like Nazis and Hitler. There were, you know, uh, attempts to appease them and we know what happened next. So Russia must be stopped by all means. And it's uh, not only a matter of Ukraine, it's a matter of security in uh, Europe and in the world. Because maybe you've heard that Russia's top politicians now say that their next aim is Poland after Ukraine. And Poland is part of NATO, as you know. So it's not resolved in Ukraine. Uh, the problem of Russian aggression can spread all over Europe and really lead to World War Three. So we need the world needs to do everything possible to to stop Russia, including heavy arms for Ukraine, including economic sanctions, and including cultural sanctions like banning Russia sportsmen, artists. I think it's very important to not leave this unmotivated aggression and war crimes left unpunished. I think it's very important. Volodymyr, thank you for spending this time with us. We appreciate it very much. You've been listening to Ukraine 242. Today we heard an interview with Volodymyr Anfimov, radio broadcaster, podcast creator, voice actor, and communications consultant, and the host of Another Interview, a widely enjoyed radio show and podcast in Ukraine. 
I'm your host, Anne Levine, and the creator of Ukraine 242, in collaboration with WOMR Radio, Pacifica Network, and Karina FM, a 26-city radio network in Ukraine. We bring you cutting-edge, first-hand reports from key people in Ukraine about what is happening during the ongoing Russian invasion. Editing and production is provided by Ursula Rudenberg at Pacifica Network. Recordings are done by Michael Levine. Interviews arranged by Roman Davidov of Krena FM in Ukraine. The music you heard was Cervona Kalina. If you'd like to send a message to the Ukrainian people, please call 510-883-3115. Again, that's 510-883-3115. Your message will be translated and broadcast to 26 cities across Ukraine. You can find more information about Ukraine 242 at ukraine242.com. Until next time, I thank you for listening.